Hey, this is Ross Bain, Roleplay Bubble Radio. This is RPPR After Hours, Episode 1. It begins, I suppose, or... That's kind of sinister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Welcome, uh, listeners. Uh, Do you have your finest bottle of cognac? Let's get started. I just want to say, if you don't make the music the soft coronist, <laughs> ball-slappinist, fun-porn music, you can't find uh, I quit right now. Ball slapping. Yes. Let me let me yes. write that down. That superlative. Okay, but my we, name is David, and I approve this message. But the thing is, we need. Yeah, does, do, if there's not slapping, the mob hand approves. Right, the problem is, does, does any of us own a? I don't think any of us owns a base. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty stock, sure you can get stock porn. Yeah, stock music. <laughs> uh, the internet is porn. So after hours, what porn is on this? The internet. Um, thought. So this podcast is uh, part of an ongoing thing to uh, set up, uh, help expand the RPPR empire, uh, in quote marks. Uh, <laughs> we have a yeah. flag. Yes. We have a plant it in We have a banner. Yeah, we'll support Emperor Payton! Yes. Yeah, we're, we're, we're like the empire of each <laughs> Um... So the the idea is uh, this will be a monthly podcast that will talk about the stuff we don't talk about uh, on the main podcast or in the actual plays. And the main, we actually try to stay focused on tabletop gaming issues. We try. And we, try. Uh, we are certainly going to hit on some tabletop uh, related issues in After Hours, uh, mainly reviews of interesting uh, material from the yesteryear uh, olden days of yeah. uh, role-playing games. Caleb is not a method actor, but if you could see what he is doing at the mid It's sincere. Act, it is sincere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's real. It's real. So, uh, but we're also going to talk about things in pop culture and larger stuff. Like, we usually, in our shout-outs, we have a policy of not, like, giving shout-outs to AAA movies. and They don't need our help. Summer blog, but yeah, they don't Unless need Unless they help. pay us money. Yeah. Well, but sometimes we do have things to say about these because either they're just excellent or that as most of uh, more often than not, they're just god-awful and we need to bitch about them constantly. Um, so yeah, so the idea is uh, this will be uh, a special extra for people who back Patreon at $2 a month or more. Uh, the uh, This first half of the um, podcast will be available for free on the main podcast. If you want the rest of it, you will have to uh, yeah. uh, pony up $2 a month. Uh, but doing so will help. And trust us, because the, yeah. the, 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 the stuff we do on the paid part... Will blow your mind. <laughs> a little puffery there, uh, salesmanship. It's uh, it's it's, 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 a, it's a terrible. <laughs> it doesn't be what you think, Caleb. Jesus. Anyway, no, um, no, Caleb's no. rage is already bubbling to the top. Or we could be Tom Sawyering you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our painting is It's just but dead then, air. <laughs> but if you admit it, yeah, you paid for it. It wouldn't be dead the air. Shame will be yours. It was, you have to, <laughs> the only way is to spread the lie. Exactly. It's a yeah, well, come on. This is Ross. It wouldn't be dead air. He just put like a number station. <laughs> There's technically I would put a number station mixed with Calliope music. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, thank you very much. It would be classy. Uh, so no, see, now I want to do the enti- the old uh, Animaniacs trick where they want to just keep uh, do the Calliope music, but keep it very quiet. Make somebody turn up their volume higher and higher, and then we just blast it. Well, I'm not that much of a jerk, uh, or am I? You'll have to find out. Uh, so, uh, in this first part, we're uh, the first sort of regular segment we're going to do are again reviews of older uh, used RPG stuff. The local game store uh, here in Springfield, Meta Games, is a very very generous used game section, and I, oh, it's very nice. And uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff there, and there's a lot of other stuff as well. And so I picked up a bunch of these uh, old used games and uh, I gave them out to everybody. And so uh, we'll uh, do little book reports on them. We'll have a little Q&A uh, on them. So 
uh, Caleb, uh, <laughs> you'll have the inaugural one. Uh, we'll have David doing something from Ravenloft in the next half. But first off, Caleb, uh, you have Death Valley Free Prison, which is a Rollmaster uh, cyberspace uh, segment, which it really doesn't have anything to do with cyberspace. It's it, it's from the Cyber cover, Wars. it looks like a Mad Max kind of deal. So you you extensively read and uh, analyzed this this book, right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so before we start, <laughs> screw you, Ross. <laughs> a <laughs> point number two uh, is I will. Reserve more curse words behind the paywall. <laughs> fully express the 15 minutes I spent skimming this. Uh, and point triangle is uh, this book terrifies me for writing my own book because it is so heinously dated. Like, uh, I will actually say that the production value for this campaign source book for a side system for the total role monsters, so it's like three points removed, is remarkably high, and it is well put together, and actually fairly well proofread for RPG standards. Except for that Just one like guy. It is so insanely Except for that one dated, guy on the cover. it's nuts. Yeah. There's that um, one guy on the cover. Yeah, he has no neck. I don't understand that. <laughs> That's really proofreading things. More uh, of an art direction. Yeah, it's very much an art direction. Where did that man's neck go? Uh, <laughs> it looks like yeah, it just it's just his chin attached. It's no, just, it's no raccoon with a rocket launcher looking at his watch. Well, that's art. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Like the the raccoon in Cinnabar is a work of okay. Genius. I have a few main points about Death Valley Free Prison. <laughs> Tell us. I'm not even going to mention the title. I'm just going to let it sit there. Uh, so Death Think Valley Free Prison. Apparently the 80s, not as an RPG scape, because I wasn't really familiar with it then, but as a time, was just a dystopian hellscape. Because <laughs> in the introduction, uh, it literally says, where is this at? In 1985, I saw a niche in the role-playing game market for a new RPG that focused entirely on the conflicts between gangs and police in our big cities. We have all noticed the increase in crimes of all kinds across the United States. The prison system is in dire need of an overhaul of new legislation, particularly for those on death row. Criminals that are convicted today go on to walk the streets again tomorrow. Uh, so he begins by quoting convicts today are released prior to the end of their sentence by 90% of the time. By the end of the book, it's 97% of the time. <laughs> convicts are just allowed to roam the streets lawlessly. Also, by the end of uh, the introduction, he suggests that turning Nevada into a walled libertarian prison hellscape is a solution to the prison's problem. He is... <laughs> Diplomatic to admit that it's maybe not the best solution. <laughs> but he says, you know, I know it's just an RPG book, but maybe, maybe. Yeah. Float that out there. Maybe the Hunger Games. nibbles. Yeah. Maybe the uh, Hunger Games, yeah. And so, like, his, his list of influence is like, you know, Escape from New York. Okay, got it. Uh, he's got, you know, Road Warrior, Mad Max, stuff like that. Then the works of Carlos Castaneda? <laughs> What? It's just in there for no re- Just perplexing. Uh, so, yeah, okay. Um, anyway, as the book goes on, apparently Reagan was awesome. <laughs> and the reason that America is so lucky to have an entire state prison colony, it's because it's one of the safest 
Got used because Star Wars exists. So apparently, I don't know if that's the cyberspace setting or just this book. But well, does the, he mean Star Wars the movie or the Star Wars? Half, defense, at, defense like pretty system. much every building is named after Reagan, unironically, <laughs> and there are like large <laughs> satellite defense systems for like named Reagan. Uh, so there's that. Uh, then it gets into the stuff that's the Reagan, like Reagan, Reagan, Reagan. Yeah, the Reagan, Reagan. Um, so. <laughs> then we get into the gangs <laughs> of the thing, and like I don't know if this is dated because everyone was racist in the eighties, or if it's just something special. Uh, but oh my god! So apparently, seventy six percent, because I need to know the exact percent of the female population in the Death Valley Free Prison have joined the Amazon gang, <laughs> uh, which is all female. And kill any men that their enemies as listed as all males, uh, except that if they're in particularly good specimens, then they're used for breeding before they're killed. So, like, we literally have the snoo snoo <laughs> fantasy going on in this book. Uh, a leader of another gang is literally named Mandingo. <laughs> His name is Man Space Dingo, and he is the blackest character in the whole book. Uh, See, when you said the name, I thought for a second, did he eat a baby? No, Mandingo. Like, and I'm, oh. I, I'm not talking about, like, he is the only black character book. He's not, but it's like the ink exploded on a page. They really wanted to stress at home. Uh, there's a Jack Japanese gang called the Samurais. Of course, uh, yeah. They only accept full-blooded Japanese. Uh, they are fight with katanas. Uh, <laughs> it was the eighties. They, they, they are in a Nevada prison. So the guy, the guy who runs the Japanese game is named Jinsu. Oh. Uh, and he and his all Japanese gang in the Nevada desert. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just like I don't know. And here's where I get to the production quality. And I know it's a roll master book, so there's random roll tables. Another terrifying thing. <laughs> there's art, like sometimes four to five art commissions in a space of two pages. Uh, like industry standards, like if you're a high quality publication, is uh, some illustration every four. But it's like all over. This book must have cost a lot of money to commission because they map freaking everything. Do you want to know what a silver mine in the middle of Nevada looks like? <laughs> Mapped. Do you want to know the elevations around the Amazonian wooden fort? <laughs> Mapped. <laughs> Just freaking everything. Interstate roads. Network hub signals. Just like, it's like it doesn't exist unless it's mapped. That's Mandingo, by the way. Why is Lex, is that, uh, or is that too... Uh, yeah, it, it looks like Lex Luthor. Queen Amazon. She's a government <laughs> experiment that went wrong. Don't she looks like Dazzler. Or went right. And so I just want to be clear. It's like, it's like if you didn't have a map, you couldn't do anything in the 80s in the RPG. Like, I'm surprised how the author got out of his house unless there was a grid paper <laughs> telling him how to go. Like, there's no structure simple enough that it doesn't require a half to third page map in grid lines with full legends. And it just blew my mind. <laughs> so, like, the production quality is remarkably high some really for cool this pictures, offensively racist, <laughs> sexist, jingoist book. 
okay. that you made me read. <laughs> so what are the rules for making a prison workshop katana? <laughs> like, do they have to take three toothbrushes and date them together <laughs> and then melt them like... I, and then fold it. Yeah, fold, and then fold it. We have folded this toothbrush egg a thousand times. <laughs> it is superior to your gaijin shank technology. We shall bring it to our greatest source, Miss Hattori Hobo. <laughs> uh, also never explained. Yeah. Uh, you could play the guards or the criminals. Uh, the, oh, there's guards in this prison. Oh, yes, that's basic, basically the setting. Uh, different guards that you can play all have these amazing cyber weapons and stuff. Uh, they have a lot of vehicles, it is very, right? Yeah, it is very much in the mode of like what Red Marcus is trying not to do and that it has an economy that makes no goddamn sense because you get like swords up from nowhere uh, equipment that they have all this stuff from nowhere and even if you can do like they salvage it there's also a currency system there is a gold system in Death Valley Free Prison that has exchange rates to 1989 money. <laughs> so by, they, you can they literally published this in the book if you needed to know how much was in each gold point towards an exchange rate in the currency of your time that you're reading them. And it's just like, but there's nowhere to buy anything except this one Trader village where there's no idea where anything comes from. Like who, who runs, it's surrounded by like a hundred high wall mounted like, by automatic machine. Who guns. runs Barter Town? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just like uh, just perplexing <laughs> in so many ways. But I'm new to the hobby, so perhaps uh, I have not, you know, learned the the je ne sais quoi of the time. I don't know. I'm sure I will hear about it in the comments. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right on when this the one. The one guy who's like, Death Valley Free Prison was the greatest game we ever played. <laughs> Didn't they have We've had a campaign running since 1991. Um, you're also forgetting they had uh, a, a map. Oh, that, my uh, God. A pull-out map. A yeah, pull-out pull two-page full-color map. Glossy yeah, map. Glossy. Of Nevada. Shit. Uh, yeah. Prison uh, Nevada, though. Hey, you, believe it or not, we want to hear from you. Please take a minute to photocopy this page. Or just tear it out of the book. Answer these questions and return it to ICE, and we'll make sure you get it. You have no IQ. idea how long I deliberated actually <laughs> filling out that question <laughs> and mailing it to that dead address. Well, you didn't buy it. I did. <laughs> what did you like best about Death Valley Free Prison? It's got to be production man. value was uh, excellent. It's got to be man very well written. It's got to be Mandingo. He was okay. a very nuanced what did, character. What did you like the least? Was it the racism? I, I worry that the authors of the book are on the wrong side of history. <laughs> and I can say that with some authority here in 2015. <laughs> How does this product stack up against other cyber genre game products you've seen? I would count a class phase as a cyber genre. Uh, I, I would say more racist? <laughs> Alright. Uh, how many cyber genre game products, regardless of publisher, do you own? <laughs> so I'll even go do a count. <laughs> How much longer do you think you will enjoy playing cyber genre products <laughs> or games? Like, I like. How much longer do you think you're going to buy into this shit? What, whatever amount of time, it has just gotten shorter after reading your book. <laughs> oh my god! They, at least, well, at least until the singularity. Happens. Here are a bunch of role playing genres. Rank in order of your playing preference: one to, uh, for favorite, six for least favorite. Then cyber, sci-fi, fan. I like cyber and sci-fi are different genres. 
Fantasy, of course. Contemporary superhero mixed universe. Here are a bunch of general product categories. Rank in order of your preference. Adventure modules, NPC compendiums, referee aids, location source books, campaign source books, equipment source books. Yeah, okay, I know we're punching down and yeah. I'm being like crude about it, but I will say it is a pretty book. Yeah. Uh, it is lovingly made. The person put a lot of thought into it. Uh, I have no doubt there are things I have written now that people will look back on and say, oh my god, really? Uh, there are things I do that too. But, <laughs> but yeah, the 80s were a weird time. I'm not going to put this on any one writer's or company's shoulder, but the 80s... You have some you have some questions to answer. <laughs> See, one of the things to answer for. To be fair, the reason why I bought this was I flipped to the back and there's like two full pages of just like badass like road warriors in their road machines. And it's like, holy shit, this looks awesome. That's six illustrations for six vehicles across two pages. Yeah. So in in modern day RPG money, yeah. each page of that is like I don't well, know, like seven, six hundred fifty, seven hundred dollars, like a little bit cheaper because it's maybe five hundred is the cheapest you can get it at. So you're uh, looking at a thousand dollars for two pages. <laughs> Ross, does it have an artist credit in there? As far as uh, was there one main illustrator? Uh, this says by Brian. Booker with help from Ben Davis, edited by Ken Barrett. You know, this actually might have been in the day uh, when people were on staff at RPG companies, when it was actually a full time job that you could do <laughs> for money. Oh. Like, you know, weird. Uh, well, but yeah, I, you know, I was about to say, the art does look fairly consistent. Like, they got oh, the yeah. same guy to draw all of these. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, I'm sure they did. Like, and you get some. And to be fair, some of it, like, these maps are not exactly high art. I mean, you know. Oh, but still, like, yeah. every damn. Page, like. And sometimes you can tell they got the intern. Like, look at this guy. His medieval yeah. page. Flip back to that previous map, though. Yeah. It is literally just a room with some stalls for smaller rooms. Like base of operation detail. Yeah. And you couldn't. You couldn't imagine that. You couldn't just do that on the fly. You needed those boxes drawn, yes, or else your character was floating in limbo in like, time and space. Oh my god, oh my god, where would you know where the doors are? They even have enough, like, characters who are playing a role-playing game inside the universe. Look, they have some, they have some cyberpunks playing a role-playing game. I know, game. like, there's <laughs> stuff about the book I like, I'm but I don't feel dirty for looking at it. <laughs> I'm a 10th level uh, vice president. Yeah, so that, that it's something to consider. But. but No, given all the information, you have to realize, too, that if we're talking about the 80s, how many of these people were just flying high on coke all the time? <laughs> they needed this We can't blame everything on they... coke, even in the 80s. <laughs> uh, we're hitting all tropes at this point. We so, might as well. So, yeah. Things I've learned from Death Valley Free Prison. Uh, <laughs> if you survived the 80s, you it's like you've walked out of a hell dimension, because apparently Death Wish was documentary. <laughs> and the streets and are just eyes. ridden with... Rapists and serial murderers. Uh, number two, Reagan owns space. All hail Reagan. Um, All hail. Three, if you are a Japanese samurai, get to Nevada stat, because that's where all the Amazon ladies are waiting to use you as breeding stock. And lastly, map all of the things. Everything well, must be on a map well, or it doesn't exist. Of course they wouldn't be. I mean, come on, like, Nevada's famous for its katana mines. Yes. I like that they have a county-by-county county, like map of Nevada. Like, every single... It's like in quadrants, square quadrants. Like, no, the amount of research that wouldn't do that book is staggering. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and then 
some of well, these. Well, they got yeah. another illustrator for these. Uh, I guess they are types of security personnel. You have vigilantes, infiltrators, corporate agents, and government agents, and cyberspace on Why does the vigilante look like the comedian on vacation? <laughs> I know. It does. <laughs> uh, wow. I, I've read that. The vigilantes are the pro bono guards. <laughs> they hire to just go in and hunt criminals for sport, apparently. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, okay, that's the comedian. There we go. Oh, man. Uh, Ross has stopped the podcast. To I read. know, no, I was looking through it. Uh, <laughs> Death Valley. I was trying to find more. So, do you guys have any other questions about it? Like, I mean. What more can be said? <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, uh, seriously. How could we possibly take away from that? Uh, well, I mean, what lessons? Why could we add to it? Yeah. I mean,. It is a it is a work of art, uh, or something. Uh, it so yeah. Game design is, is uh, you, you kind of wonder what we're thinking about what those game designers were were doing back in the day. Like, I watched Mad Max one day. Yeah, Matt. Well, that was clearly part of it. He probably uh, played I Wasteland wonder about too. The other twenty four percent of the women. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if they're not part of the Amazons, what happens to them in this? I think I would have had to read the book more closely, and nothing is worth that. And I am almost certain I would not have liked what I found, what was going on with those other 24% of the women. That is a fair bet. Yeah, I'd say so. I bet they were racist Amazons, too. I bet they were kind of... Smaller gang? Yeah. That was a little bit more inclusive. The housewives. <laughs> if we ever play Death Valley Free Prison, it's an Amazon campaign. Oh. Uh, we are going let's go out. All right, let's go hunt Dave. So forming a new. So you think it's forming a new. Dave knows no. With the other, the, uh, the other twenty-four percent, you think this is going to be a game of the Amazons versus the Stepford Slayers? I, my plan as an Amazon would be to like, hey, we need more breeding stock for the sex pits. <laughs> uh, then men walk in. We murder them all, take their things, and then just go out and do it again <laughs> in the assembly line of slaughter. Um, As these holy. idiot Captain Kirk <laughs> characters are like, well, it's a good way to go out. It's better in regular prison. And we're just like, okay, in that room there. Ignore the screams. <laughs> Shoot, take stuff, repeat. <laughs> Uh, not quite a double. Please only, oh, and to all men, please only bring good stuff. Yeah. Seriously, we don't want shit stuff. <laughs> Have some class. Yeah, um, we've already got dozens of those damn katanas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I, yeah, I'm just making like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler run the episode. <laughs> We're ladies, and we are only like guys for their wallets. Bring your best things to the breeding camp. <laughs> did I say breeding camp? I'm all emotional. Like, did and I you say shoot them? Like, did I say did I say breeding camp? I meant fun camp. Yeah. Who is Sandra Bullock's partner in the Heat? Uh, oh yeah, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Let's movie cast the Amazon <laughs> Death Valley Free Prison. Melissa McCarthy has to be there. Oh, yeah. I don't think Sandra Bullock has the chops. She was good in the heat, though. Yeah. Uh, On the other hand, Grace Jones. Uh, oh, yeah, Grace Jones. She <laughs> definitely is. It's yeah. time for her comeback. Uh, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, musts. Uh, 
I want my Rudolph in there. Yeah. Uh, snarky Amazon. <laughs> Ava Green. Uh, yeah, she could pull it off. Yeah, that's pretty good. Will Ferrell has to be one of the marauders that goes in to die. <laughs> Bit part, no more than five minutes. <laughs> Uncredited, big surprise for the movie goes. Uh, so, yeah, I think we got it. Bill I, Murray is a pl- prison warden. <laughs> yes. Warden, you're killing all the men. Yeah, all right. He's just completely dejected. It's like, like, sir, uh, like, like, Sir, like, weren't you like, weren't you scheduled to actually give a speech to the supporters? Like, fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Wow, she would be. Maybe she's the one uh, trying yeah. to vie for the gang leadership. This, this is uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, she could straight man it. Yeah. Uh, or she could. She could try expand her range yeah. and like play off the tough girl routine. Exactly. Um, I think everyone should be all tough and mohawk except Michelle Rodriguez, no. who is inexplicably yeah. in like a hoop dress and frills and with like a like an umbrella in no, the desert. Paris. The gang leader needs to be Dame Maggie Smith. So yeah, he, <laughs> all of them with mohawks and face rings except Michelle Rodriguez. Dame Maggie Smith. He's constantly looking at a compact. <laughs> oh wow. Southern uh, Bell gloves and everything. Like, well, oh, I do yeah, declare. I'm the vapors. <laughs> I think... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, what else is there to say? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that book yeah. Mark, yeah. You know, That excellent job. Oh, uh, and speaking of casting movies and acting, uh, the charting the boards as it were, this is Oscar season. Uh, so we could talk a little bit about uh, you know the current Oscar movies. Um, recently, uh, I mean, we saw this separately, but we both, Caleb and I both saw Whiplash, and that was a good movie. I think the thing is. People will mistake it for reality when, you know, it is about crazy people being crazy. Like, you can, <laughs> there are mythos sorcerers who are less obsessive <laughs> than Miles Teller is and J.K. Simmons are about drumming. Um, it, it's so. You I kind of wish I still played an instrument in yeah. jazz so that people could watch that movie and think I'm just hardcore. <laughs> just go, just I bleed every night for fun. Just for the start, instrument. yeah, yeah, like putting band aids on your fingers and just like don't talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> just say like, oh, you played Division Three. Oh uh, yeah, well, who gives a shit? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want people to think I'm totally obsessive and crazy. <laughs> well, you could also start quoting Death Valley Free Prison, but you know that that's maybe a maybe the obsessive. Yeah, that's a it's a uh, yeah. different obsession. Right. Require a different kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> I I could only paraphrase. As <laughs> yeah. Reagan, Reagan, Reagan. Boy, I like oh, Japanese. I wish I could. Just make a, just, girls just, are scary. Just, just just make a gang called the Choir Boys. Oh, <laughs> evil musicians. Uh, they, they had to be the Jets or the Sharks. So what? What? Uh, what? Yeah. If you want to talk Oscars, what category are we in? Uh, well, yeah. I, ca- I kind of want to talk about the one that was, you know, critically snobbed and just a huge loss, you know. The obviously. Um, well, no, American Sniper. Well, I mean, like that, that baby scene um, was the stuff of legend. And <laughs> I, it's uh, nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. It could win. I know. We could give but that Oscar. Bradley Cooper was not baby. $2 Mattel <laughs> but, but Bradley Cooper wasn't nominated for Best Actor though was he? No it, yeah, it's no. Best Picture though the yeah, baby could go up that, and off exactly, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing is that Bradley Cooper needs to be in there so yeah for those of you who don't know uh, you know America's Sniper is about uh, the, the based on the book about uh, you know the, 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 the Navy SEAL sniper yeah who shot a lot of people and you know sort and of, loved it yeah and loved killing people um 
and then was shot later on as he was trying to help someone else who was at a, doing at a firing range. Yeah, you know. Um, anyway, but there's one scene in the movie, and it was directed by Clint Eastwood, um, where it shows him his domestic life, and he and his wife are trying to deal with their crying baby. <laughs> the problem was, and this is true, one, Clint Eastwood is 85 years old. He doesn't give a shit about take two. He's like, we're going to do the schedule. I want to see, I want to live to the end of this I movie. I could die at any second. <laughs> so when the first they scheduled two babies to be there, you know, a normal baby and, and a, little, a backup baby, I, I love which the, is normal for seizures. Yeah, too, you got to have two babies on a movie. I love, I love the title. It's a, it's a Bradley Cooper movie. Well, I love the title "Backup Baby." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and other people who have seen movies with a lot of babies know they usually will cast twins in that part just to make sure they look the same. Yeah. Shots. Well, the first baby got sick. Second baby didn't even show up. So the backup baby was he was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible prima donna baby. Yeah. Yeah. Sag, Sag should be just Orson Sag Welles you're back <laughs> so uh, but that's not going to stop Clint Eastwood so he's like what target here's 20 bucks go to the target and get a baby do you think he told the production assistant after he gave him 20 bucks that he could keep the change <laughs> <laughs> and he had like an old man look like he'd been like really generous movie star guy yeah. and the production was like thanks you go, yeah. you go by thanks your... Mr. Eastwood you go by your yourself a sweet because I mean, because it's true. Like they, they actually have like like thousands of dollars worth that they like realistic. Yeah, there are baby. there are like top of the line baby dolls that look so real. You think you know. Who? What teenager threw them? You know, behind the prom. And why are they so quiet? After yeah, well, hours, here we go. Prom night, baby. So, but they didn't get that. They didn't. They weren't. They had two babies. They had a baby and a backup baby. Why would they need the ten thousand dollar? You know, uh, super fake baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they got the twenty dollar baby. And but Bradley Cooper does his best trying to like. He's, an, he's a good actor. He's a good actor. He even uses his thumb to move the babies up. <laughs> The dolls because he's a method actor. Goddamn, he's gonna get the shot done. Yeah, so they did. All that. right, I'm I'm gonna headcanon this. Yeah. So Bradley Cooper's character is such a psychotic American murder machine that he's been trained from birth to kill, and so they're just Pavloving him. His wife is a CIA agent who knows all the trigger words. They don't trust him around a real child, so they're just trained him to like enter shutdown mode when he sees the fake baby and cease his murder rampage until they gotta send him back out that baby is the trigger the only thing capable of taming him okay here's my head cannon which it goes on it's similar but not quite I was thinking uh, who, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf kind of thing she's like of course we have a baby here it is here's the baby yes good baby you know so it's like they, they, they're just you know they're so freaked out like he's just snapped from all his you know shooting and she snapped from dealing with him they, they just yeah no this is our baby like don't yeah. talk about our doll Martha <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's my head cannon. I don't know what do you guys think oh uh, now I'm going full majestic. <laughs> full majestic. Uh, he, yeah. he just sits in a rocking chair with the baby until <laughs> they need him to train. And they take it away. He gets agitated and just starts running in a direction. 
And don't get him back before he starts warming up with the murder to put him back with the baby. Did they trank him like a bear? Like, oh, he's off running. No, that's the bit. You can't do that. It's going to stop his kill muscles. Oh, yeah. He needs to be in good shape for murdering. Well, I'm thinking just, uh, just a dumbtail on that. Just a Manchurian candidate. I mean, so he's sitting there with the baby, and then he gets a phone call, possibly from Angela Lansbury. Like, would you kindly? Would you kindly put the baby in the crib? It's time for his nap. Just fine. Puts the baby on, picks up the gun, and his eyes just become instantly bloodshot. Races off to go shoot something. Uh, Dude, it, that, that's something a little you... bit different because I didn't know about the, his wife being a CIA agent. Yeah. So is that actually part of the story? No, no, no I'm making it. Okay, no, okay. I'm gonna take that head cannon. Head cannon. But we're gonna continue it further. That she brought the uh, brought home one of the communication prototypes, and he just, of course, looks like her daughter because they need to keep it under wraps while they're at home. And she's testing it. He picks it up on there, and you see that confused look that he gets on his face. You think that just is an actor he's saying, "Oh God, I'm holding an obvious plastic toy." No, he raises it up, moves the arm, and suddenly you hear, "It's time to eliminate Castro." <laughs> Also, so the baby gives the order. Yes! I kind of like that. It's a smart baby. I yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm just imagining like the, the conference room meetings of the Bradley Cooper handling team. Like, their PowerPoint training videos. is like, do not, under any circumstances, take the baby away until he is strapped in in the C-130 headed to Afghanistan. Here's a photo of the last newbie that took the baby away on the runway. It was like, oh! Throwing up, like yes, we don't the see baby dude. doesn't leave until the plane's in the air. Dude, dude yeah, wow. that, 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 that character is something. That, that's something that would be chasing you in a Delta Green game. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound like a Delta Green. Game. The word to get him to cooperate is Naga Hide. When you say Naga Hide, and then immediately follow it with a question, he will follow it. Naga Hide. Would you like to come with us for a ride? Yes, I would like to come with you for a ride. <laughs> Alright, we have to stop talking about this. Are we going to write a Cthulhu song about Bradley Cooper the monster? The password is Vidalio. <laughs> uh, so who else would you see in a Cthulhu scenario? What other major Hollywood actors? <laughs> oh god, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal Nightcrawler? <laughs> Holy shit. Did you see that? No, I was aware of it. I'm, I'm kind of afraid to watch it, actually. It does. Uh, yeah, that was one that was snubbed, though. That was. Uh, uh, I, I thought it was I... actually no, I'm not sure. If it, no, it's not nominated for Best Picture, but I, I yeah. think it got something. I yeah, take a look. I, uh, I, talking about snubbed actors would be good for a Call of Cthulhu scenario. I yeah. have to say, Oprah. Oh, really? Okay. Oprah. Oh, okay. I'm I'm listening. I mean, don't really have to give her a lot of mythos powers because she's already got them. I mean, she's got the charismatic cult Oprah. leader down her. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, she did play in Selma, which I got to see the other day. Um, my company paid for a movie ticket Ooh. on the day off that I was also paid for, so I thought, yeah, why not? Yeah. Uh, humorous story on the way there. Um, there was a lady who was screaming about the fact that it was Martin Luther King Day, and she was not going to get to the back of no damn bus until she realized the front seats were for disabled people and then went quietly. <laughs> but... The hell? Is that a real story? <laughs> it's like is. a thing that happened? Yeah. Whackity, schmackity. Uh, it happened on the way to the movie. And oh, Springfield. Public oh, transit. <laughs> In Springfield. Yeah. Oh, but um, 
<laughs> pretty much any scene in Selma where Oprah is on the screen, yeah, she is mugging for that camera so hard, and you can just see her casting that reel on. It's I'm going to reel in an Oscar this time. Now this year was about disturbed white people. That was, uh, of course, that's most years, but this year especially. I mean, between Whiplash, white guilt craziness. No, that was last year. Uh, Twelve Years a Slave. This year it was crazy white people. Uh, American <laughs> Sniper. Did kind of Bird Man, in on the Birdman, oh, Whiplash. Uh, I still need to see uh, Birdman. So. Theory of Foxcatcher. Oh yeah, uh, Foxcatcher is not a best picture now. No. Didn't it get an acting? Yes. Uh, yeah. Steve oh, and Nightcrawler it. is best original screenplay. That's Invitation the game. game. Uh, have you it done? doesn't get more disturbed white man than Alan Turing. <laughs> have you yeah. watched that? Or uh, no, I have not. Uh, I read that passed. they basically shit all over his actual story, which like he was. I've heard that was the big. Problem he was not accused of being a traitor or anything like that. He was uh, and came in the reason why he got uh, you know he's too open with sexuality. He, he wasn't found out he was not, gay. And he, well, no, I mean, yeah, he, people knew he was gay. He just he got a little too open with it in the 1950s, and that led to his downfall. But yeah, they, yeah. So. so they literally cut out the sexuality stuff. No, no, he's the, like they show him he's gay, but like, but, but he wasn't accused of treason. Yeah, he wasn't no. accused of treason. Uh, he didn't. Ha- he didn't keep secrets from Winston Churchill, which apparently happens in the movie. Which is like, yeah, I don't think I'm ahead. technically being gay in the 1950s in England could. Con- well, could he be in in as- the Cambridge bubble that he was in, apparently, yeah. like the 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 upper crust, highly intellectual people who didn't were very worldly and didn't, didn't give a shit. He was fine, but like, didn't uh, and what's the name of the English double agent? The one who uh, sold secrets yeah, of the KGB. Yeah, like by the end of the sixties and seventies, being gay was cool as long as you told absolutely everyone. Yeah, and they couldn't use it to blackmail you into becoming a double yeah. agent. Yeah. In America, they 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 really care, but not, not so much in yeah. Yeah, yeah that was one of those. You things. could be gay by the end of that in, in intelligence, but you just had to like introduce yourself. Hello, I'm gay. <laughs> oh, yeah, that uh, was so no I... one could blackmail you uh, about it. Yeah, so. that was something I wasn't really aware of until watching Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and going like, oh. Nice move on there. So yeah, no. If you read pretty much uh, any history of like spycraft in the 20th century, that was a huge issue, and pretty much every Western intelligence service uh, that yeah. Uh, in most spy films, the honeypot was not a lady. Yeah, uh, that's that is pretty much how it always went down. <laughs> yeah, because uh, there was no shame uh, back then for having a night out with a lady. It only really worked when your spy was a yeah. icing young man and you could out them to society. Yeah, I mean, and even today, like, if you read the guidelines of being working in intelligence Our service, they have a lot of, like, morale, <laughs> basically morality clauses, like, you can't do anything that would let somebody be able to blackmail you. It took a dark turn. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. Wow, all right. Blame yeah, the big talk about, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought we'd already reached a low after the, you know, prom uh, dumpster babies, but no. Actually, <laughs> give it. We, we can, give can sink a little further. Yeah, give it here. We can oh, dig deeper, Ross. Well, actually, no, really I, I'm going to take this as the personal insult because yeah. also, Turing. I'm playing in, in AGI most of the time when we're doing Eclipse Face. Some people around this table, although one of them is not here, has an obvious bias against AGIs. So. <laughs> I don't know if you're talking and about Terry or Jason. <laughs> All right. Is there anyone here who gives a crap about Interstellar not getting anything? Uh, didn't it get visual effects? Uh, let me check. It may have. I think it was doing visual effects, but also. Uh, yes, I didn't, visual effects. But no. then again, I'm also looking at Interstellar, and I haven't watched it, but also. As Christopher Nolan films go, I've heard it's pretty heavy-handed and just bland. I haven't seen it yet. I do want to see it, but I I'm interested it too. But also, it's one that I could skip. I haven't either, but I do want to. See I it. wanted to see it just on the strength of Michael Caine and the casting. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, well, I, I also I love Neil deGrasse Tyson's take on it, which he, he said like. Um, I don't know if I would ever go to a planet that was orbiting a black hole. <laughs> Frankly, I would try to stay at the health as far away from as possible. You want to get out of that event horizon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, another movie clearly robbed at the Oscars, uh, um, 1997. Which is now brought up another one. Um, although I would actually say David was bringing. What? <laughs> 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 Listening to what I was saying. I wasn't, yeah, I did. I, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't. I wasn't gonna. Can I pass the test? Because that was an absurd thing to come out of anyone's mouth. Yes, you do. Welcome to the League of Robots. Yeah. Sam Neill as a amazing <laughs> character. Oh, uh, I'm Satan now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Blow up the ship. Uh, um, well, you heard the Sam Neill. You know, I, uh, there was a story uh, about movies talking about like uh, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck had just finished Good Will Hunting. They were passing the script around to different studios, and uh, they finally meet with the um, uh, Feinstein, one of the Feinstein brothers. Uh, <coughs> Weinstein? Weinstein, yeah, sorry. Um, And Weinstein says, you know, I read through the script. I love it. I just, like, on page 60, there's two uh, male professors who give each other blowjobs. And I was just wondering, what the fuck? Why is that in the movie? There's nothing about them about being gay. There's nothing like, what? Oh, we put that scene in there to see if anyone actually read the script and would ask about it. And so, we, uh, no one, you're the first person to actually remember. We thought we were crazy because nobody was talking about it. And we, we couldn't be sure. Everyone, you're the first. We will sell you the script to you. You're, you're, you can make the movie. Like, everyone was bidding on it, but they got it because he actually read the script. It's like, what's the deal with these two dudes? What is with all the dick sucking? <laughs> Whereas if it was a Tommy Wiseau movie, yeah. it would just be two random characters that walked into a stranger's home to have sex and then left. Yes. That would be the plot line, the beginning, middle. When, one, when one resident's mother showed up. Yeah. Wait, that doesn't happen to well, you that guys. Before or after the one rubbed the other with chocolates? Oh, yes. God. that was a separate thing. Well, no, no, that was the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, by the way, I, I just bought a copy of the Disaster Artist, uh, which is the book by Greg Sestero, uh, Tommy Wiseau's best friend, <laughs> and Mark in the room. And uh, I can't wait to read it. I bought the paperback copy instead of the ebook copy, so I can. But everyone else. So we're all gonna read it. You, yes, you are. Um, it's kind of like people making people watch the room. It's now you're gonna read the book about the room. Oh my god! So I've been reading a little bit about it, like uh, discussions about it on the Something Awful forums, and they talk uh, actually kind of related about this one scene. Like you guys remember the one scene where they're all in the alley, and uh, that guy uh, talks about, you know, the, re- tells him the story about him forgetting his underwear after making out with his girlfriend, having to run back in and get it. You remember yeah. that? And it has nothing to do with the fucking movie, like the, the rest of the movie, like anything else. And everyone, so Greg talks about how everyone was begging Tommy to leave that scene out. Like it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Please cut it. And Tommy's like, "Oh man, look at this! I look like a happy eighteen-year-old. Look at that!" And Greg realizes that the whole point that he put it in there because it made Tommy look like he was a popular person who had a lot of friends and just hanging out, who just come into his room and randomly have sex. Well, I mean, the fact that he was hanging out with his friends and like that kind of stuff. That Tommy's pad is supposed to be the the fraternity house where everybody uh, just, just gets on. Clear, you yeah. guys are my friends, but we're yeah. not that good. <laughs> I know, but Tommy was so was gone. Yeah, to me, to me, it more seems like this is Tommy Wiseau's attempt to 
seem seem human. For, yeah, for no, his, it really is for his knew, for his human friend. There was someone on the forums who said who compared him to Jay Gadsby, and I love that comparison <laughs> because he really is someone with a lot of money who tried to buy himself basically popularity, and in a weird way it worked out. Uh, so I can't wait to see that happen. But um, um, Interstellar was to get back to your original yeah. topic. Um, I don't know. Did it deserve best? Any of the, have you seen it? I'm saying it got a bunch of visual stuff and music. Yeah, I kind well, of well, come on, like Independence Day was nominated for that shit. Well, well Independence Day. Welcome to Earth. Academy might Tom? be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a classic line. It is. Do you think the Academy might be snubbing it because uh, Matthew McConaughey? Uh, uh, he's been nominated before. Well, Matthew McConaughey, dude. Well, yeah. he's been kind of on a hot streak. Dude, ever since True Detective, I don't give it like. Uh, yeah, that, anyone who says that guy can't act, I'll punch him in the face. No, no, I, no, no, no. You don't understand. What I'm saying is, um, the Academy very rarely um, will nominate the same actor for two years in a row for Best Actor. The one notable exception being Tom Hanks. Yeah, because he's Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I well, I think really the, the it's more because it was science fiction. To be honest, everything I've read about the, the academy, academy doesn't really care for science really fiction or any genre or fantasy. It, the only thing it hates more than science fiction is horror, and it really fucking hates horror. So you know, again, a Venom Horizon being snubbed. Well, like Clint Eastwood <laughs> is a, certainly a workmanlike and functional director, and yeah. he certainly has like some very powerful. Films like yeah, Flags of Our Fathers, Our Baby. Uh, I would say Letters from Iwo Jima is well. That's I like that one. Strong. Yeah. Well, Unforgiven for me is his high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I was at Best Buy the other day, and they had a Clint Eastwood collection, and I was look, and it's got everything he's major thing he starred in, and also everything he's directed. And he's also got Every Which Way But Loose <laughs> and Space Cowboys. And like, well, those are, a, did he just act in those? No, he no, directed he, Space Cowboys. He's directed. Get on his IMDb. He's directed an obscene number of movies, and it is real. <laughs> Grand Torino, which I think everyone liked, but no one realized they liked for the wrong reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it was a compulsively watchable movie because. Everyone was laughing as hilarious Eastwood racist his way through the scenery. Like, it was not actually well written. But he did show character growth in it. He yes, by getting himself killed. I know that's <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, he, he still died pretty much a racist, but maybe just a little slightly less, less racist. Um, Went down one level of racism. <laughs> he, he, well, he was he able to multi-class into non-racist. No, he, he, he gained a, 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 he gained one level in multi-class. Well, like, yeah, but like American Sniper receiving actor in leading role, best picture, film editing, sound editing, sound mixing, and writing for an adaptive screenplay. Thanks. Yeah. That's a lot for a Clint Eastwood movie, which is very much there's a fucking two dollar fake baby. Twenty dollar. Come on, I'm gonna yeah. pretend. Yeah. It's I really not think, there. Yeah, I really think with American. I'm Smith, gonna spend a million dollars to simulate blowing people's brains out of okay, the back. I, I, but this baby, actually, I'm gonna, a fucking absurdist <laughs> film. Now, I'm just, just don't mention it. Just move past. Actually, I'm gonna forgive this thing. If we get to the, if we get to Oscar night, and <laughs> let's say, well, yes. wait, wait, wait. If we get to Oscar night, and it wins Best Picture. And if, and this is Bradley Cooper, so he's nuts enough just to might do it, that if he saved that baby and brings it up on stage, all will be forgiven. I hope, who's hosting? I hope whoever hosts right. makes a baby joke and like, just carries a doll, like, all the time. Yeah. I have no idea. Be Ellen or this Billy is Crystal. my child. Yeah. 
Better yet, fuck it, mix it over. You know how they always do the gimmick one where they have an animated character do it? Have I Am Groot carry a baby on stage. <laughs> I Am Groot. Uh, no, the do that. Vin Diesel will be up for that shit. Oh, yeah. That. No shit. I, I would watch it. That would be him. Uh, although, or it did have Rocket Raccoon, Bradley Cooper voicing Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> carrying the baby. Carrying the baby. Like, uh, what the hell is up with this baby, man? I mean, look at me. I should be ridiculous. No, this would actually work because because James Gunn, he has a history back in trauma. He'll pull that off and have a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, like, um, I think American Sniper, it should have been a documentary, not a movie. Well, I can see making it a movie because, I, like, I can see, I mean, uh, honestly, I can see doing both. But I don't know. I mean, again. American Sniper is more of the movie. If you want to see a nice documentary about a Navy SEAL that's actually a lot more watchable, I recommend Lady Valor. Well, I yeah, and you could do that. And there's all—I mean, there's really good documentaries about the current conflicts in Iraq. Well, it's current-ish, uh, like Rest Repo I've seen, which is about like a group of soldiers oh, in uh, yeah. Oh. It's brutal. It's about the attrition of warfare, and it's very. Uh, Would you it, like to cry tonight? Yeah, yeah. Let's have oh. a double feature with Dear Zachary and just kill ourselves. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> Jesus. Don't do that, please. Please don't do that. Just not responsible two of the most depressing goddamn Yeah, no, they are. <laughs> God, that is... Wow. I really... I'm sorry that Death Valley Free Prison like, threw in the space. It's made you a monster. Uh, actually, if... A slight change. David is actually bringing up another topic because he was talking about snubs, and it yeah. was with the animated features that oh, the, the Lego. Lego movie did not get in. Yeah. Um, actually, I'll let David lead this off because I have my own opinion on this. No, no, you go first. <laughs> Ooh. Well, uh, well, no. And as I'm saying, I've actually seen. Uh, let's see. Two. I've only seen three of the act uh, of the features that are in the best animated. Uh, which um, ones are they, by the way? Uh, are nominated. Oh, all the nominated. Uh, Tales of Princess Kaguya, uh, which is, is yes, as far as we know, the last in the Ghibli films. Yeah. So, but that's it, it, it's a Ghibli film, so it's beautiful. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon Two, not seen that. I have. Uh, that's pretty good. So true, but I need to watch the first one. So it's DreamWorks. Uh, yeah. You really don't. It's animated. Their plots aren't that complex. Uh, it, it like it's anyway, probably seen it's okay. But in any case, uh, the box trolls, which not really interested but it's from the same people who did Coraline and yeah. uh, everything else uh, my personal favorite of those Big Hero 6 you okay. can guess why <laughs> um, and Song of the Sea which is by the same company that did Secret of Kells which is another beautiful animated feature um, when I look at all the, everything that they pulled into one I'm not really surprised Lego Movie got into because one if you're any at all familiar with how Chris Miller and Phil Lord pulled this movie off um it does kind of bring up existential crisis into it as well, which is a weird thing for what you would think just, would just be a transparent, uh, a normal transparent uh, cash in, product cash in movie. However, I could see Academy, uh, the Academy selection people looking at that and going, oh, that's going over my head. But what does it mean the Lego person come out? What, it's about a father and I, son warring over their play styles? Fuck this. I think you're giving them a little too little credit. It's not. I mean, I've seen it. It's not. And Birdman got nine nominations. Yeah. It is. The thing is that I, I don't think they understand. But it's like, the product tie yeah. may have put them off. Okay. Maybe. The reason thing is, I do believe that the Lego was. I think Lego. I mean, I haven't seen How to Train Your Dragon two, but I after see I did see the first one, and I can't imagine the second one being that much better than the Lego movie. Lego movie, I think, is if How to Train Your Dragon got in. 
two got in, I think. But, and I agree. I, th- I think so, it has a place, but I'm well, not surprised it didn't yeah. get it. Anyways, what I was going to get at on that, though, is uh, two of the names that you mentioned there are also really, really big American studios. There's DreamWorks and there's Disney. And oh, yeah. Well, with uh, most of the box office numbers alone, the big war is going to be between DreamWorks and Disney. Well, not for the Oscars, though. Uh, well, for any kind of well, honor. box office does have some meaning. I mean, like, but the thing people who vote for animated movies are professional animators or people in the animation industry, and uh, from what I understand of it, so uh, yeah, I don't know exactly why. Uh, how to train your dragon? I mean, there's a lot you of campaign. Your first listeners yeah. on the very special RPPR dick joke puerile. <laughs> the Oscars are political. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I, know. I would have never have guessed that. You're welcome. <laughs> you know what they did. Blowing your mind. I know, right? Insightful commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure baby is politics. That should be our logo. Uh, so, one thing I, I have heard, like, for example, being in politics, is that the reason why Selma got so few nominations is because they sent out screeners late. Like, they sent them out in late December. So there wasn't much time for them to like people actually watch it, you know. That's also a tactic, though. Yeah. There's if like I a very to... clear tactic in timing that. Like, yeah, American Sniper drops October of this year. Yeah, no way. It's not on the. Yeah, you know, like, I don't even think it's on the. Yeah, anything. Maybe any nomination. Maybe best adapted. Like, yeah, but yeah, it's it's all about. Oscar movies is timing. Like, when do you get it out? Because yeah. there's only so much collective memory that voters have. Yeah, this is true. And um, also, when you send out the screeners and how yeah. many. And, and if I were to review Selma with a single word, that word would be anvilicious. Anvilicious. Decidedly lacking in subtlety. <laughs> oh, okay. Almost preachy. A movie about Martin Luther King Jr. being preachy. I. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's preachy for the premise. Which I'm just going to back you, away. I'm really pretty damn preachy. I'm backing away from the podcast. <laughs> I think that's in character. I, I so would, if are hiding it wasn't preachy, now, I would be suspicious. Like, no, no, no. I, what yeah. I'm referring... Watch the movie, Ross. Okay, You'll I understand. Watch just movie. watch it and tell me that it is not... Oscar bait? You could, you could, is it Oscar bait? You could call it that. I could... But yeah. that would be to say that we're... Here is me acting and I am playing a... Well, it's one thing to say that the Civil Rights Movement was a powerful and just movement in history. It's yeah. another thing to say that I'm going to film a movie about the Civil Rights Movement and just so happen to release it the month of Oscar nominations. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's, a, that's another thing. Yeah. 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 But it yeah. also yeah. happens, too, yeah. that anybody, yeah. anybody who's playing for, for big For crying Oscar out movie. loud, there is a scene in the movie when they are... When, yeah, the evil white guys... <laughs> Which, well, okay, there were, yeah. there were a ton of them. There were a ton of them. But it's one thing to beat the demonstrators. It's quite another to ride through the demonstrators on a horse with a bullwhip. And I thought, that's pushing it maybe a little bit. No, far. that, oh, David, that actually, happened. Well, even if it actually happened, there's a world of difference between, okay, guy with baton, guy with the baton, guy with the bat with nails wrapped around it. <laughs> Slow motion guy on horse whip. Because that happened. I don't know about the slow motion. I'm sure if you were in there, I, I think I, I think I know what you're saying. Like, yeah. I, 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 it's not a powerful story, and that stuff did happen, and it needs to be told. But it is yeah. a calculated move to put it out. Well, sure. Yeah. However, I would forgive it because I'm gonna be a horrible cynic about humanity and say it's not going to win. 
Probably not. It is. Uh, do you remember when George Lucas made Red Tails? Yeah. Yeah. And dumped, uh, however many million dollars in that movie, which is actually pretty watchable. I, okay. I enjoyed it. Pretty watchable World War II movie. And then he said, I really hope it succeeds with this all black cast or I've killed black cinema forever. And then it didn't make half of its money back at the boss office. So, you know, you heard it from George Lucas, he killed Black Cinema forever. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if that's true, but, well, yeah, Charger I mean... Wait, we're stuck with Tyler Perry forever? <laughs> yeah, no. so, yeah, yeah, so, uh, I don't, I, yeah, that's that's something to... Well, I mean, the thing is, the reason why they, I mean, the whole thing is, with Selma, with a movie like that, you only get that movie made if you can get the money for it. You only get the money, and people only put money into it, they think they can get their investment back. They only think they're going to get their investment back if they think it, they have a good shot of getting Oscar nominations or awards. Yeah. So, they're going to do everything in their power to maximize their chances of getting those awards, because then they can get the money And then they maximize the drama. Yeah, well, exactly. But, I mean, again, in Selma's cases, yeah, there were dudes with bull whips on horses like that. That's something. Yeah, and I can't, I can't fault anybody for for doing that, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, for faulting people for doing that, how some people who don't do that, how they get in? They've nominated a Wes Anderson movie. What the <laughs> hell is that all about? Okay, I enjoy Grand Budapest, but Wes Anderson's been doing that for a while. It's his movie. Yeah, and it, but like, <laughs> were they just waiting until he hit peak Wes Anderson? <laughs> like, then it's like, oh, okay, kids acting like adults, perfectly framed scenes in the nineteen seventies, hipster style, anachronistic. Oh, I don't see enough Wilson brothers, so we're not gonna do this one. We're gonna. We could get more Wes Anderson out of him. It's like you know the. <laughs> it's like Apple. Every year they introduce the new version. <laughs> you know, this year it'll be on a boat, and then this year it'll be at a summer camp, and now it's at a hotel. And Wes Anderson. Okay. Don't get me wrong, I love the hell out of the movie. Yeah. The fact that they named their razor blade Throat Slicer <laughs> and spent a large portion of the movie using it to cut cake is <laughs> hilarious. Oh, but, damn, I really need to see uh, this. Yeah, so. Uh, every time I think of Wes Anderson now, I think of that uh, SNL parody. One of the few really good things they've done in the last couple of years the Midnight Coterie of Killers. Oh, yeah. yeah they made fun that. of the strangers. Yeah, yeah. and they, they have Tilda Swan, or like someone who has a great Tilda Swan. Oh, I'm the Oh, I've been stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Uh, so yeah. Um, at this point, I would like to talk to you about uh, your. You, you've been talking a little bit. Yeah, earlier we were talking about game design. I, I remember you, you were talking about your friend trying to explain Destiny. To, oh, oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're really doing this. Yeah, oh, yes. I really want to hear. That's just a thing I said. Oh no, I really want to find out. All right, so my friend is a uh, professor. He, he is a uh, full professor, a doctor of yeah. communications, no less. Yeah. Uh, and we uh, regularly play Destiny with many RPPR fans. Hi, Baz and Flap. Okay. <laughs> uh, hopefully we will do the Nightfall this weekend. I need the XP. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so those few of us that are on the consoles and aren't of the PC master race... <laughs> <laughs> we we play we play a lot of Destiny on PS4. So anyway, oh, you're he was console. telling me that his in-laws, uh, especially his father-in-law, had gotten a PS4 and was trying to get into Destiny. Uh, he is as old as you would think a full professor's father-in-law would be. Yeah. And um, my friend, the communications doctor, was uh, relating to me over the headset as we played Destiny. 
the utterly surreal experience of trying to explain Bungie's writing, or total lack thereof, uh, to a layman and try and justify why things or actions in the game exist. And uh, relating it to something like a Sartre play uh, of just nonsense. So when pitching ideas for this oh-so-organized podcast, uh, I said I could just try and explain destiny to you yes. PC nerds, and you could ask logical questions and you could watch me fail to answer. Because I've read a little bit about Destiny, and I mean, yes. I've been following it because I am uh, saving up to get a PS4 uh, selling some of my old books and stuff. So yeah, I will be, because I, I do want to start trying it. I and I forgot, forgot. Is it, it is only, is, was it a PS4 console exclusive? Only. Okay. It is on all the consoles, yes, but not on all the consoles. Okay. Uh, so it, are, are, do you really want to go down this rabbit hole? Well? I, I kind of, I well, for, honestly, this point, it can't be that bad for, at least the majority of us have played in an MMO for some amount of time. This is different. Okay, so we'll we're braced. Um, <laughs> all right, the story so far. Uh, the traveler is a thing. Is he like the Beyonder? I don't know. It's very big. He's like it's like a softball, but it's kind of that, decaying. I've seen on the art. Bottom. Is it that big sphere that's over the home city? Yeah, it's a big sphere. It's a big. That's sphere. the traveler. I thought that's the traveler. Oh, I thought that was his. Uh, I thought it, it was just a guy that came comes, down and brought him back to life. It yeah. comes to Earth and starts the the Golden Age. All right, but then it gets hurt somehow. Mm-hmm. It's not made clear. <laughs> See, the thing is, when you play the game, Peter Dinklage says things. <laughs> he says words, and they are words, but they're not. Words that have meaning. Uh, he will tell you that you need to collect sixteen quantum nuggets or whatever. Is that weird? Real? Are they they're quantum nuggets? No, I, that's my joke. Uh, but <laughs> like a real thing, you need to collect in some missions are pumice threads. Pumice threads. Pumice is a kind of stone. stone. Yeah, volcanic stone. Yeah, a yeah. thread of stone. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, you need to collect pumice threads. Uh, there is spirit blossom. Uh, upgradable okay. iron. It sounds like a drink. Is that a relic? Drink? <laughs> relic iron. Uh, spindle weed, which is a metal plant. Is that Kush? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way, somebody in a legal state is not naming a strain of weed after Destiny upgrade. Missed opportunity, sir. Colorado, get on that shit now. I'll take a dime of that spindle weed. Yeah. Uh, well, that's if Colorado doesn't catch on fire from all the junkies. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> Stripping the planes for scrap. Um, so, anyway, the traveler comes. It's a golden age because technology is magic now. Uh, it's like transhumanism without anything that makes sense in it. So, um, but then aliens come, four different races of them. They're not in any way to lie. They just all kind of want to screw over either humanity for being with the traveler or the traveler. So the traveler gets injured. Uh, so there's only one uh, city left on Earth that still has people in it. And you are guardians, and you go out to Earth and other planets on your spaceship, and you protect the guardian the city and the traveler. Uh, the floaty softball. You don't actually fly your ship. Uh, no, no. That's your the ship. Screen. Your ship is an item you gain to look at during loading screens. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That will uh, teleport you from. So wait, there's four. Yeah. There's four evil races. 
They they do they fight each other? Do they? Just... Yes, they often fight each other. In okay, most yeah. levels. <laughs> so, okay, that's, uh, that's, that, that's nice. good. That's the good. That's good. Uh, but they will stop fighting each other to kill you. <laughs> they when hate you us. Arrive. Yes. So like, whoa, 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 human. Hold well, on. Wait, I haven't even gotten to like the first level yet. So the first thing you need to do is you need to pick characters, which guardian you are. Yeah. Okay. What what class? Uh, you can be a human. Okay. You can be an Awoken, which is a blue human. Okay. Who is blue. <laughs> right. why, are, why are the Awoken blue? Because they're Smurfs. Because they live in the Reef, which is an area in space that on the map is between Venus and Mars. Wait. Space Australians. Wait, v- that would the be reef. Earth. That would be Earth. No, no, Earth's a different, different part of the map. The Wait. Reef is... Just an empty space that they haven't put DLC in. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, where is Earth if it's not between Venus and Mars? Because I'm pretty sure that's where it is. <laughs> Somewhere around the reef? Maybe it's in it? Okay. But they're blue because they live in the reef, which makes people blue. I don't know. Right. Then there are the Exos, who are robots. Uh, so you pick right. your race. And then you pick your gender. So you can be a male or a female human, a male or a female uh, awoken, or a male and female robot. Because Because they need those (laughs) genders as robots. So I play a female robot (laughs) because... Fembot, of that course. makes no damn sense. <laughs> uh, and I tried Can to make her as hideous as possible so she doesn't have eyes. She has antennas. Wait, does she look like a eyes. robot or does she look like an android? No, she? she's a robot. Like, yeah. full robot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. she... She's a lady robot. Uh, so uh, my robot has boobs for some reason. And the, robot milk. the armor uh, I have, the armatarium, uh, which is an exotic. I'm very proud of it. Uh, it gives you two grenades, but those grenades sit right at the... <laughs> so I have grenade boobs in the game. A progressive um, game. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Wait, the armatarium is the name of your armor and not the place where you get the armor? No, it is. That is a lost opportunity. <laughs> You're right next to the armatarium. So, anyway, uh, you start playing the game. You realize you've been dead for quite some time. It's not said. Your ghost, which is a little floaty ball of light. Is that the Peter Dinklage? That is Peter Dinklage. And revives you. Uh, It revives you whenever you die. So, apparently, when you die, you disappear into a quantum nothingness. There is a little floaty ball that hovers where you died. Uh, if someone comes over and presses the square button for roughly two seconds, you are revived and you instantly materialize with full health from nowhere. Uh, so that is the game mechanic. Uh, apparently you can never die permanently and you're all an endless hellscape <laughs> of fighting forever. We can never die permanently as long as we have Peter Dinklage on our side. <laughs> yes. That is a valuable lesson to take. Yes. That makes perfect sense. So the first aliens you fight are the Fallen. Apparently they're a scavenger race. They fell. Uh, yes. They have four arms, uh, except the ones that have two. Now, the thing about <laughs> Destiny... The thing about Destiny is that the story is not so much in the game. Uh, you earn... Oh, God, I remember this. You yeah. earn cards... So in shooting enemies, you're just shooting them. It is the primary function of the game. In shooting them, if you kill enough of them, you get that enemy's card. 
And then you can go to destiny.com, sign up for an account, <laughs> and read about what that thing is you just shot. Well, but not after well, you well, just shot it. After you shoot 175 of them with a specific weapon during a certain time frame, so, you can read what they're about. So I learned... Uh, three months after buying the game, that the ones with two arms are disgraced. Uh, they are disgraced Did members. they rip their other arms and off? And they ripped their uh, their two arms off. They're disgraced uh, fallen. But Which doesn't make a lot of sense, because there's way more of the two-armed ones than the four-armed ones. Now, the four-armed ones are more powerful, but that means that the fallen are just constantly disgracing each other <laughs> and tearing the fuck out of their arms, just ripping those things right off <laughs> for no reason. But and there they were. Well, I have a question, though, just about this... So, the best way to learn about your endgame universe and the enemies you're fighting is your to allies. turn off the game, <laughs> go, on. go to some completely other platform, and read quietly by yourself. <laughs> Instead of having some NPC in-game tell you with it, paying for an animatic that might immerse you more Oh, no, there's, there, there are cutscenes. You get to watch those. <laughs> Boy, up. ever. Because there's a story mode, and then... Once you do that is the rest of the game, which is overwhelmingly huge over the story mode. But in order to get items to upgrade, you have to replay dailies, which are part of the story missions that are um, made harder than they were in the story missions. So, uh, But if you do a daily, you have to watch the cutscenes for that part of the story, even if it's the last cutscene of the game. Okay. And so to do the daily that is the last level... Uh, my communications uh, doctor friend and I will have to play the game and then we will have to sit the the controller down for 15 to 20 minutes because we can't skip the indie cutscene even though we are now 11 levels higher than we were when we finished the game and have seen it at least a Caleb, I have to ask though how many how many parts of, how much of the parts of the missions are where your Peter Peter English thing says I have to hack this panel could you did you protect me from... Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. That is a very important <laughs> Destiny mechanic. Okay, so Peter Dinklage has a unique operating system. Uh, so when you run your rub your Peter on it, which is the uh, Destiny in-game for turning Peter Dinklage on, uh, and he hacks open a door, you rub your Peter on him, and he says, this is going to take a while, and then waves of enemy come to kill you. He will only finish as you exactly after you kill a wave. Uh, if you do it in three seconds because you're way leveled above the things, he's like, "Oh, I got it!" Because I'm a magic floating quantum computer. Uh, if you die a billion times and you barely make it after 15 minutes, he's like, "Well, done with level one. Here comes the second wave." Uh, so, so yeah, he has a very unique operating system. Uh, I have heard in game Destiny chat that he is just a Sadist who likes to watch things die. <laughs> and he can do calculations in milliseconds, but chooses not. Um, so, anyway, there's the Fallen. Uh, they are part of the Darkness, which is the coalition of aliens that are not in a coalition at all. They just fight each other. Um, so, it's not a coalition. Yes. Um, so, then there's the Hive. They are insect-like looking dudes. Wait a minute. Insects in a hive? I don't believe it. Uh, they're called <laughs> acolytes. 
in the hive. Uh, there are knights, which are big dudes. They have swords or mortars. And then and there, they drone on it too? Uh, and then there are wizards <laughs> that fly wizards. around. Yes. Wizards that fly around. Uh, the hive are part of the darkness, but they have extra darkness. <laughs> they're extra dark. Uh, they, are they, they Mandingo dark? <laughs> no. They're not quite that horrifically racist. Um, so you kill the hive for reasons. They're on the moon. Uh, apparently a bunch of people were living on the moon. With some wizards. And, and yeah, and they killed all those people. And everyone's very scared of the hive. Or maybe that's just because they're the DLC enemy. But they're extra dark. Uh, then there's the Vex, which are robots uh, that have little spongy white tanks in their middle. So headshots are very important in Destiny. And it's quite alarming when you're not supposed to shoot the head anymore. Because when you shoot the Vex, they just freak out and just like spray the area and go all crazy. But their middle parts is where their headshot is. Uh, when they explode, they leave this creamy white goo that paints the whole level. And I will just leave that there. Um, so the Vex have minotaurs and zealots and fanatics and some other enemy. I don't know. But they're robots uh, that teleport and are apparently billions of years old. That's an actual quote from the game. Uh, then there are the... Cabal, which are just like the fat kids of the darkness. <laughs> they're like eight and a half feet tall, they have tiny heads, and they're from a high gravity world, and they are just like these big, huge dudes with tiny heads. <laughs> but if you shoot them because they came from a high gravity world, their blood is like really pumping through there. So it's like, <laughs> like a very high pressure stream, and they pop like soda caps. So are they supposed to be stronger? They can just be essentially the tug mugs of this of the Destiny. Universe. Yeah, they are. They are the last enemy, and by far the easiest to defeat. Of I all want all the hair. Uh, <laughs> apparently, some of the fallen work for the Queen of the Awoken in the Reef, according to the story. Wait, aren't, aren't the Awoken you guys? Yeah, you don't know why. Uh, the Queen is apparently really mean. She hates the Vex more than the Fallen. Some of the Fallen work for her, but you're not sure why. Also, if you play an Awoken... That's how they got disgraced! They, yeah, it could be. They, they were moonlighting. Uh, but actually, all of hers have four arms, so oh. I don't know. Uh, well, that's you, before they get caught. If you, uh, if you actually show up to the reef to meet the Queen of the Awoken, playing an Awoken character, the dialogue doesn't change at all. <laughs> it is just like, no one's ever been to see the Queen of the Awoken. No one knows what their culture is like. No one knows. It's really how. strange. And if you like walk in as a blue dude, you're just like, who are these strange alien <laughs> creatures? Like, and you went to high school with that guy, basically. <laughs> so it doesn't... Make much sense there. Uh, is, is, as far as you're describing right now, this is sounding like space lost. Uh, this is just no. so. Did, so you beat the game. Uh, you, you have to beat the darkness with the light, which is good. It yeah. comes from the traveler. So once you beat the game, you uh, have this currency in your called glimmer. Yeah, uh, it's just bright, glimmery cubes. Uh, once you beat the game, it no longer matters, but you still collect it. So the currency of the game ceases being able to buy literally anything of worth once you are at level 20, 
but you still collect it. So everyone has these hordes of these giant glimmery cubes that they keep on them. For but they can't trade it. Otherwise. But they, 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 there's nothing to spend it on. Like anything you spend it on is like, oh, it's going to cost two thousand glimmer, and you have like five hundred million glimmer, <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, I guess I'll, oh, I guess I'll do it. Uh, so what matters then is light. So in order to get a higher levels than 20 after you beat the game, you need gear, and gear has light ratings. If you upgrade the gear, you get more light. So you need armor that has light in it. Uh, and that means you get it through drops, you buy it through doing certain missions. So you can do Vanguard missions, which are co-op, and you go through the same goddamn eight levels <laughs> over and over and over again endlessly. I'm on a PS4, so I have two... I have, I have three exclusive levels. Poor Xbox people are like going through five levels to do everything. Uh, sometimes you'll do the same f- fucking level eight times. It's <laughs> endless repeat. Uh, but those only go up to 26. You could do the Crucible, which is your basic standard Halo multiplayer. Yeah. And because the Traveler apparently thinks a good use of his sources <laughs> is them just, just go off to a planet and kill the hell out of each other <laughs> for days on end. Um, he sounds like... Uh, because, you know, you can't be revived, so your pain means nothing. Just die on an endless loop and you'll become a better So player. he's like that teacher from Battle Royale. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. You kids are rotten. <laughs> die. So you get light... And then uh, you have that kind of stuff. But the thing is, it's like, to upgrade your gear, you need one of four items that are nonsense. Uh, Spindleweed, Spirit Blossom, (laughs) Relic Iron, and uh, Helium Filaments. God damn. Helium helium Filaments? (laughs) Helium's a gas. The worst. Uh, it's a gas that doesn't even turn into a solid unless you pressurize. So they've patched this, but they didn't do it until too late. So the way you gather, <laughs> the way you gather the materials you need to upgrade literally everything in the game from a higher level is you go to a planet on a patrol mission. Now patrol missions are part of the story. You just run around, and do random jobs. You collect pumice threads or something like that. Yeah. And there are occasionally chests in rooms where enemies spawn. So you go in the room, and you see if a chest spawned, and you open it, and there might be one or two of the item you're looking for, and then you run around again. So the way you used to upgrade all your items is after you had the XP of doing actual semi-fun things of mission, you would go to a patrol mission where all the enemies are no less than 20 levels lower than you. And you go on YouTube and you find a route with the best spawns. And you just run around in a circle, <laughs> hoping the chests show up, ignoring all the enemies that are uselessly shooting you because you are a god. Uh, and you hope a chest opens that has some metal weeds in it because you really need that to upgrade that assault rifle. It's, it's a helium figment? Or filament. It's a filament. It's a filament of helium. I thought you said figment. I was like, that, that makes sense, actually, because it's a figment of your imagination. You're just hallucinating helium. So well. you, you endlessly run around hoping to get these drops. Uh, so by that time, the only thing that has light is that you need is purple gear, which is legendary, uh, and then yellow gear, which is exotic. And you can only have one exotic. They do it differently than WoW. Purple is supposed to be epic. Yeah, sorry. It's 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 different. Although I'm guessing this is why the loot cave was so so much of a big deal just because... It was a very big deal. What they have finally changed is that you can now buy those things uh, from a store with uh, vanguard marks that you earn by actually playing missions that are fun rather than running in a hopeless circle (laughs) praying for the game to spawn something so you could quit. (laughs) (laughs) So 
Uh, at that point, when I was farming stuff, I was really starting to question some of my life choices <laughs> and feel very bad about myself. Uh, but then they fixed it, so I kept playing. <laughs> so then, Good job, Bungie. <laughs> so then Destiny has a week. The Destiny week starts on Tuesday, and there's no day off. The Destiny has a week, so they will have a different Nightfall, which is a super hard mission for co-op. Uh, they'll have a different weekly, which is a kind of hard co-op mission. Uh, and then they will have a daily every day that gives you ascendant shards and ascendant energy, of which you can only earn two per day. And uh, you need at least six to upgrade anything one level. Wow. Uh, so you have destiny chores to do all week. But you're capped. You can only earn so many Vanguard marks and Crucible mark in a week. Once you max out, literally playing the game has no more material benefit for your character. You are only allowed to play for a certain amount, and then once you get 100, you can't make any more that week. Wow. Uh, the Destiny week restarts on Tuesday, but there is a dealer who shows up at a random place in the tower, which is where you have to go to upgrade everything, even if you don't want to. Uh, <laughs> you have to go socialize at this place. Uh, so you go there, and his name is Zur, and his face looks like a bunch of writhing worms and a hood. And he nice. is called the agent. He shows up at a random place every week, and he sells nothing but exotics. For strange coins, <laughs> which is a currency which is only described in game as it feels oddly warm. <laughs> so a haster is appearing in the game and offering you no, stuff. No, the worm that walks. It That's reminds me of that line at the end of the Final Fantasy movie. Do you remember that? Where, like, Donald Sutherland's character is stepping out and there's rain. He says, it feels warm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what they make those coins out of, clearly. So, yes, uh, you earn strange coins by doing the weekly. Yeah. Uh, so the higher, the, yeah. higher the difficulty level, the more coins you get. And then, do you guys want to keep me... I'm not sure I think, you still I keep think, talking I, about this? I, I, I can't tell if you're... You're still going. Like, how much long... Is this... Just, I will stop whenever you want me to. All right, I think that's enough. Okay. Okay. This is like I haven't gotten to the raids yet. Yeah. Oh, God. It oh, makes God. even oh, less fuck. sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Destiny Tom, any thoughts of that? Just... No. You want to sign up for that? I do not. I do not. Uh, I obsessively play Skyrim, but I don't have to grind. I, I have thought of running an interest buy game set in the Destiny universe where I just get like some sort of program that will randomly smash nouns together. <laughs> and I just start describing things to you. And whatever you interpret that to me, we'll just roll with. <laughs> oh, we must plant the flowers of. Uh, well, it's like it's doing inverse. flower god demon bells. Yes. <laughs> hey, Ross? Yeah. You know those leather bags? Yeah. They're warm. Oh, God. Oh. Fucking leather bags. That uh, is counts. Cape Cow. So, uh, yeah, David, you're an obsessive WoW player. Is this? Does this sound better, worse? Are you Are you going to be signing up for this anytime soon? Well, yeah, I, a console, first of all. Yeah, well, yeah. first I would have to get a console, right. and second, I've got a lot of things going on in the new WoW expansion. <laughs> okay, so you've got your own Skinner box to uh, you deal with. So. Hey, I've got two mines, two herb gardens, and roughly 60 followers that I send out. But you don't missions. have any pumice thread, so, you know. No, but I do have true iron. Oh, well, he has relic iron, you have true iron. Yeah. Mine is what the is the true. best iron? <laughs> well, apparently my iron's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> the ironing is delicious. Well, he says, well, I like that it's relic iron, so it sounds like 
heirloom stuff. Is it ironic it. though? Yeah. What what little <laughs> what little I can stand reading of the cards before I realized that they just did bad writing for those too. Yeah. And I signed it on a different machine to read it. Uh, is that. I really think Destiny was a completely different game, and some executives just came in and palette switched the whole thing. <laughs> I think it was actually like a full-blown fantasy game. It was like, oh, we're going to call this game the, the Bane of Thor. Uh, this knife is going to be Thorn of Darkness. You're going to be fighting the Cabal and the Vex, these evil magical things. And some executives are like, come in, no, fantasy's playing out. We can't do it. Make it in space. You got a month. Slams the door, peels out of the parking lot of the port. And the guy's like, designers just crying. They're making suicide packs. They spent $500 million on this. Paul McCartney's just laughing and randomly getting keys on the synthesizer. And then they're like, no, guys, no. We'll see our families again just just keep all the names the same <laughs> so the hammer th- it's an assault rifle now the thorn of darkness is like there's a 14 part mission to earn the thorn of darkness you have to imbue it with the darkness of your fallen enemies it's like yeah but it's a gun now <laughs> that doesn't make any fucking sense guns use science it's completely true it's like you want to see your daughter again? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I do. <laughs> then make the fucking gun. Stop asking questions. So, is this what you think about when you're playing the game? Yes, yes. <laughs> I think they should hire you as a writer. <laughs> make it like a whole psychodrama. Oh my God. And, and eventually their, their logical, you know, uh, hesitance to go forward as hour piled upon hour just became a wild exuberant glee as so, they just palette switched everything. So really like, David Mann. Oh, the spear of Longinus is a sniper rifle now. Woo! I'm going to call this machine gun zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer know what genre we're in. And uh, just tippity-tap-tap, tippity-tap, and they just wow. fixed it all. So really, David Mamet wrote this as a, like a clever metaphor. You're the only one who understood it for the, the soul-crushing, grinding nature of the software I just want to meet the heroic programmer who stopped them all from drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> when the palate guys were just like, no, gentlemen, we can do this. You have to because check out he doesn't know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> that is their fatal flaw. We can live through this. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll have to stop. This will be the end of part one. Um, That's so if you want to hear what we're up to. I know, it will be. But uh, if you, you, we will, uh, because we have Ravenloft. Uh, we have The Darkness 2, uh, which is a masterpiece that I just completed, and I can tell you about that. And uh, so please uh, support our Patreon. Uh, we're all getting uh, some money from this. And, uh, I get a nickel. Where am I getting a nickel? Yes. Uh, so thanks a lot. Uh, we'll see you guys next time.